0: to the money monopolizers podcast helping you take control of your financial destiny it's about time that we invest more in our financial literacy and work towards building generational wealth if you think you're ready to do the same then you've come to the right place alex marlin y'all ready let's get this bread what's good everybody it's alex Camunia here and we are back with episode 54 of the Money Monopolizers podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Marlon Walls. Marlon, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, everything is going good overall, bro. I think the same thing as I talked about last week's rental car is going on. We just actually got a request to, uh, to get it re-rented out today by the same guy. So hopefully he want to keep it for like a month now. That'll be nice. So I don't have to worry about keep posting it back and uh, getting it rented out all over. That's mm-hmm. going good. But other than that, we've offered on another house um, for, my, for my house hack. Probably not going to get it because they answer for highest and best again, but I'm already at my highest and best where I'm currently at. So I'll probably pass on that one because it's not as nice as the first one that I, I saw, and I'm not super moved on it. But I know the one, the one that I want is coming. So before long, I'm going to have it, and I'll be good to go. Mm-hmm. Life is good, man.
0: I think we're closing on a flip next week, hopefully on Tuesday. And that one should be a pretty good flip, hopefully clear about 30000 net profit on that one and uh, getting this other one, the guy contractor said it should be done in two weeks. I don't believe it, but we'll see. I'm not the project manager. So we'll see kind of what happens with that. And um, other than that, man, it's been a lot of grinding. I'm working on uh, releasing a course here soon, hopefully for, I don't know, sometime in September, it'll be showing people how to get that first real estate deal, that first flip or rental property. And, uh, you know, got a house hacking course that'll be on the way as well. So been working heavily on those um, recently. And that's because, I, you know, we get I get a lot of these questions just on my other page, on my personal page, because I post the stuff on my story just in terms of, like, the real estate and all that stuff that's going on. So, you know, I think this could provide a lot of value for people just in that regard. And so, um, yeah, I've been working diligently on that. It's a lot of work. I didn't know how much work that kind of stuff was, because it's like literally every little you got to think of, like, even because stuff becomes so second nature. You got to remember that like a lot of people aren't, haven't done it. (laughs) The people that you're, you know, selling the course to haven't done it. So, um, just being able to like go back and think about every little detail about, you know, acquiring a deal and how all that kind of stuff happens. So, um, but yeah, a lot going into it, but I think that kind of really ties well into our guest today. Um, and who we talked to today. She, uh, it was a super fun episode. We talked to Deandra McDonald. She's a real estate investor in, Um, Virginia. And man, this was probably one of the funnest episodes we did a ton of value in there, but it was super entertaining in terms of like her personality. Um, I didn't know she was an actor found that out. We didn't talk about it in the episode, but apparently she's an actor. Now that really makes sense. on you know, why, you know, why she is as vibrant as she is. Mm. So we got to talk a lot about her journey from real estate investing and how she began from just like that $185,000 property that is now, you know, grown into a 14 unit rental portfolio with commercial real estate and also multiple single uh, uh, residential properties. So um, it's one of those stories where it's like, you see how, you know, we talk about house hacking of course and how all these like certain principles that we preach and teach what they lead to, they lead to, you know things that's like big and things that most people will never even think about doing like owning a, a apartment complex. How many people think of owning that? And she's done that all before the age of thirty. I mean, I think she said she's. I think she just turned twenty nine. If I remember on here, did she say she was twenty nine?
1: Yeah. I think. uh, So yeah. So yeah, I I felt the same exact way about it. Like we had plenty of laughs all throughout the episode, but there was so much value and so much um, content in here that I think people can take away from. Because especially when it comes to like not being where you want to be, and but not not using it as an excuse for why you can't get to where you want to be. Like everything that she did in her story, she wasn't super knowledgeable on it when she first started, but she she was willing to learn along the way and willing to take the risk for a a much higher gain and much more reward later on. So whether it was through house hacking, whether it was buying that first multi-unit apartment, she was always willing to take action and not be afraid to fail because she knows that as she goes through, she's always gonna learn more along the way. And ultimately she's gonna end up where she wants to be because she took action in the first place. So I love her Mm -hmm. whole, her entire story. And I hope a lot of Listeners, you can get a lot of value out of her.
0: Well, let's get into it. Hey, Deandre, how are you doing today?
2: I'm good. How are y'all
0: doing? Good, doing good. We're super excited to have you on here. I know this is going to be one of the uh, better episodes. I can already tell with the energy that you bring in. This they say
2: be- they're super excited, but they didn't tell me we were recording. So I got all here looking busted, and they were all just right. like, you know what? Okay, that's <laughs> fine. Like, I had to stop it. So y'all weren't that excited because y'all was going to let me sit up here and my t shirt just be irregular. Hey, <laughs> hey,
0: if people know the, the, the the, the message is the most important thing right we're excited to have you on with your message
2: <laughs> but no, <I'm> excited
0: too. <laughs> yeah, like, i mean usually how we start every episode we just kind of want to get into our guest background in terms of like you know what how how it was growing up in regards to money and finances and all of that mm. kind of stuff and so we can get like a good i want i want people to really be able to relate to every guest and kind of see like oh we came from similar backgrounds or oh they it was just like me and you know the story will be able to you know it'll resonate a lot more your journey will resonate a lot more So could you kind of, like, get into that?
2: Yes. You know, little side note, I just called my mom, like, a week or two ago and was just like, yo, I am so sorry that I was so ungrateful as a kid. Not that i was like, asking for a lot of things, but, like, yo, being an adult is hard. And I'm surprised at how much you, like, actively shielded us from. And, like, I thank you for that. Because I grew up in a single-parent household um, with a mom who I didn't learn until I was doing my FAFSA made forty thousand dollars a year in new york city and how she finagled whatever she you know like i was like oh tires cost money and sometimes like you had to buy groceries. groceries cost you like you just don't think about these things as a kid because she didn't make money important i never felt like we were poor i never felt like we never struggled we never missed meals but somehow she made $40,000 stretch and to the point where my brother and I only went to private schools. Now these were tiny little private schools, wow. right? But she somehow finagled to get a scholarship. So she would work at the school to get a discount. She just really made money work. So I kind of grew up with the mindset of like, you work and you put away some and you get to enjoy a little bit, right? Like I wore uniforms on my life. So like clothes weren't a thing but we still try to go on like a vacation once a year, even if it was just to the beach for two days. Like she um, really made it like money's not important. We're not going to go into massive debt, but we're going to just work and do the little we can and love each other. So I went to college thinking kind of like, look, you take out some debt to go and it is what it is. And you just go. And she also said it was cool, right? Because she took out $1,500 in debt and she was like, why can't you do the same? And I was like, <laughs> The the total you took out was 1,500. That's not even my books for this semester, ma'am. If you could just, but I took out all this debt to go to school and I really didn't question the path that was kind of set for me until I couldn't get a job. So I majored in chemistry Mm -hmm. and you can't really do anything with a bachelor's in chemistry. (laughs) You know, like you definitely need a master's or a medical degree or a veterinary degree. It was just like, this is crazy. I went to school, I did what I was supposed to do and I'm struggling and I'm working six jobs, and I can't be like, this can't be the life they want me to work, because this is, like, this has been six months. And I don't know if you guys have debt, but when I graduated, you graduate in May, that first payment's not due to November. Mm-hmm. So I was already struggling prepayment. And when that first bill came, I was like, I... So I guess no food this week. I guess is the choice, which made me have to switch. Of like, this can't be the forty years of work they want. They asking me to do before retirement. It wasn't forty at that point. It was like forty three. I was like, oh no. Which is when I started looking at real estate again. Of like, there has to be something other than this. I can't be set up to work seventy hours a week just for me. And. I can't pay my bills.
1: So <laughs> one thing I always hear, especially um, when you talk about somebody growing up with their personal finances who may have not had a lot of it being taught at home, you don't learn what your parents really make. Because that's really not, not even a conversation that anybody has. And you you don't learn until you're applying for your FAFSA. Now, I've heard that so many times. And I'm like, yeah, so that that's pretty much just a little just a little snippet of how much personal finance was talked about for somebody growing up. So I can, I just, from that, I can tell like that was never really really a topic of conversation, but your mom was always just willing to make it work. That's crazy for one that you live in New York city with 40,000, two kids, single okay. parent. I can't even imagine. So I would just talk about
2: personal finance because they, think kids shouldn't have to deal with it. But I think she was doing it on the like, look, I'm struggling and I don't want that to be a part of your childhood. Like, I don't want that to tinge all your memories. Where I've seen some people just like, I just didn't think it was important. You're just going to go and be a doctor and it's whatever, like figure it out. But she was really just trying to make sure that, you know, all of a sudden she'd be like, we're going to start walking to school. You know, you are you got to exercise more. And I was like, oh, it's because we need new tires. And I just like never even thought, damn, (laughs) I could see
0: my tires. But you know what? (laughs) You, you know, you know, that's so that's so that's such an interesting conversation and such an interesting topic to have, because I, I think about that a lot now in terms of like how, you know, wealthy people speak to their children and what they t- tell their children in terms of finances and personal, you know, money and mm-hmm. financial literacy. It's the conversations are a lot different. And it's not a coincidence that the fact that these people are wealthy and they talk about these things and that middle class, poor people do not talk about these things. And they're middle class and poor, right? Because I'm a big believer in the fact, like I say all the time, you know, we look back 400, 300, 200 years ago with, you know, obviously slavery, 40 acres and a meal, all that kind of stuff that happened. The biggest thing that was never passed down was that financial literacy in terms of like uh, each generation, like you have the land and the land with the land, you know, if you don't get the land, the kids, kids are not learning necessarily what you can do with this land, right? They don't know it can go up in value. They don't know you can take equity out in it. Right. But if you have that land, which a lot of the white people did have at that time that are even wealthy today because of that, you know, that land that's still in the family or got transferred down, they're teaching these kids about this stuff and they're telling them about this stuff and the importance of it. So that's huge. And I really want, I, you know, that has there have to be a shift there, even in the mindset alone of middle class and poor people telling their kids about this stuff, even if you're not rich. So. Yes,
2: and if I can add, I think there are some people who might be telling their kids but they're just telling from what they know. Mm -hmm. So I was told lessons and the lesson was go to school and get a high paying job. Like that, and and that's not an incorrect lesson. I think for some of us, we're being exposed of like, oh, that's not the only lesson I could do because working the land is like, for sure, like it grows food and it puts money on the table and it does what it's supposed to. But like, there are other things we can do with this too. Mm -hmm. And that's where like, y'all come in, right? Of exposing these people to like, there's other stuff for you. That's not just this job, whatever, even if it's high paying, even if it's secure, there are other options. If you still want to go back to that job, so be it, that's fine. Just know like there's something else because so, we only
0: so, get the one. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, I, that's our really our goal with this. We want to help people understand all those options. So then, whenever you kind of got into, you know, you figure out you couldn't get um, a job with your chemistry degree, you started looking into real estate. What made you look into real estate as opposed to looking into other investment opportunities, or even and what 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 was it about real estate that
2: intrigued you? Because I had no money, Alex. I was broke, and so <laughs> nobody wanted to invest with me. <laughs> Nobody went went into the bank and they were like, you need four G's for a house. And I was like, I can do $4,000 that I, and that still took two years. And I was like, well, I could, I could figure that out, but there was nothing else to invest in because I didn't have no money. Also on the real tip, I didn't have much exposure. So like real estate, my family owned property, right. They, they owns the apartments they lived in. So that didn't feel so foreign where like, I didn't know a truck driver, right. I didn't know truck drive. So with that, I didn't know truck drivers could own their own trucks and do their own things, right? I thought they were just hired by, like, Amazon to move this stuff. I didn't know, uh, vending machines weren't necessarily owned by the business owner whose store was out in front. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know I could, like, buy a, v- a vending machine and do something. I didn't know about um, stocks, really. Or I didn't feel like it was accessible because I needed money now, not, like, value later. So real estate just felt like, okay, this seems like something I could do with what I have. I have a job, I have decent credit, and I can get some money. And that seemed like I could buy a house, okay?
1: yeah,
2: We'll start there.
1: And you said earlier that you had like six jobs at the time of coming out of college. So I don't know if you were boosting right there or was that like a legit thing? Like you may have three, four, five, six jobs. Oh no,
2: I was, uh, we can list, okay, I was a lifeguard. I was a (laughs) swim instructor. I was a bartender, had no bartending experience. So they'd be like, can I have a drink? And I'd be like, I guess I'm going to Google what that is because I don't know. I don't know. I'm <laughs> um, a so lifeguard, swim instructor, bartender. I worked as a vet assistant. And then I worked as a tutor. So, like, I was just whatever. And so, you know, money not consistent. You, like, tips one day, tutor money, this money to pot. This is every other week, but that's twice a month. And this is month just, just trying to get money to mm-hmm. put. And yeah, as I was applying for like salary jobs, but just you were like
0: uh, old dude from uh, what's his name, Terry Crews from Everybody Hates Chris, he had like- <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's right, and just upset anytime anything in the house, which means you need more laundry detergent. No, you gotta put some water in there, shake it up. This is what we got to work with, sir. <laughs> Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Like you were looking for jobs. And this is pretty much all you know, at the time, it's like, if I want to make money, I need to find a job. So you're just trying to just find a job after job after job. But none of them are really producing the income that you're looking for, like to start paying down the debt that you have and just trying to live the lifestyle that you want. And so you said that you found real estate, but like, did, were you even knowledgeable in real estate? Like, were you able to like, when you first say I'm gonna do real estate? How knowledgeable were you? And then if, if you weren't, how'd you start finding that knowledge?
2: No. So like I said, I had family members who had owned property before. So I understood like what a mortgage, was. you know, like it's not quite rent, but not quite not rent either. You know, like you're paying for the opportunity to live there. And if you stop paying, somebody else will take the place. So unless you finish that loan payment, you're going to have something, uh, have a payment to make every month. But I didn't know very much at all. Definitely didn't know how to maintain anything. All I kind of knew was I just got to get people to pay me more than what I'm paying. And really, the original goal was I just wanna pay less than what I'm paying. Right. So I was paying $750 for a one bedroom. And I was like, I just don't wanna pay this much. So even if I could just lower my rent payment to my mortgage, that could save me $200. And that $200, let me. I was making like $8 an hour at one of my jobs. That's 25 hours. Don't, sir. Okay. We're not all engineers, sir. I'm going to need you to get yourself together. I appreciate it. Excuse me.
1: How how do you? (laughs) Just sit.
2: Sir. Alex, I'll talk to you. I, I, that's 25, but like in some real talk, that's 25 hours a week Mm -hmm. that uh, 25 hours over the course of the month that I want to get my time back, even if I just lived alone. Yeah. And then I was like, well, if I can get a roommate, because I couldn't afford a duplex because I didn't have very much money. If I get a roommate, then I could get even more hours back of my life. Because I was still thinking, even with the idea of getting a real estate uh, income property, I'm still thinking in terms of my hours. I'm still mm-hmm. thinking, like, well, how much money do I make if I replace 800? That's 100 hours a month. That's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a more joke, because I, I mean, I look back now because uh, minimum wage hasn't changed. And so I never made minimum wage barely over, but I'm like how y'all people making minimum wage haven't just burned this whole America down. It's just outrageous, right? That you could work that much and come home with a thousand dollars and they just like make it work, <laughs> you know, so.
0: But that first deal though, see, cause you mentioned that five, you, you have to spend $4,000 for that first deal. What did that first deal look like?
2: Yeah, so my first property ever was a two bedroom house hack. I went to my realtor and I said, I can afford, well, first I went to the bank and I was like, I want to buy a house. And then she ran on my reports and she laughed. And I was like, my spirit, sir, ma'am, is, needs to be protected. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you can't buy nothing. I was like, no. She's like, no, your credit is not good. Cause I had, this is before um, I started saving up like your credit. Cause I was living on credit cards, trying to make it. Um, you don't have very high income cause I didn't have a job and, or full time and you don't have very much money. So she said, fix those things and then come back. So I finally got a job working as a lab tech. So I fixed the income. I didn't leave my lifeguarding job. So all that money just went to paying off my credit card debt and that raised my credit score. And then I was able to save. So I then, she said, you can apply, you can, uh, you qualify for 85 grand. I was like, dope, that's a lot of money, right? I had never thought of it. So I go to my realtor and he was like, There are zero properties available for $85,000. And I was like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) I feel like Jesus has told me that I should have a property. So let's just keep looking. And he was like, what do you want? I was like, literally anything that has two bedrooms or more. I don't care if it's a multifamily, I don't care if it's a condo, I don't care if it's a townhouse. He could put me in a mobile home, I, I wouldn't have cared. As long as I could put an income paying roommate in there with me, two or more bedrooms, we're good. And one day a property came up that was listed for $85,000. It, it was the only one on the market. It was two bedrooms, one bath with a little den, which couldn't be a bedroom, but was extra space like storage. And it was a townhouse. It was half of a duplex and we bought it.
0: I love that story though, because it, even from the beginning, a lot of people would have gave up right at that beginning point where it's like the bank told them, you can't do it. But the she difference is that would have killed a lot of people if they laugh at you. Oh my God. Well, this is definitely not for me. But the fact that you, you, the one thing you did was you asked why it's like, okay, I can't do it. Well, why not? Well, you need to fix your credit. You need to fix your income. You need to, you know, fix all this stuff. And it's like, okay, now nah, I go fix those things. I know why. Let me just go fix those things and address those things. A lot of people don't even ask why they just take the no. And then that's it. But that alone is like, you know, that that's the reason you are today. Asking why when things don't go your way. Mm-hmm. So that's a really, really good point. And, and
2: not- you just connected something for me that I never made. Cause that same thing happened when I bought my first apartment building. Like I showed up cause I'd never gotten a commercial loan before. So I didn't know what that was. I just been house hacking and I showed him and he was like, you don't have enough in the, you don't have enough saved. We want to see six of reserves. You don't have this, and you don't have this. I was like, what if I get that? Will you mid loan? And he said, yes. And I was like, Okay, so I went out and flipped a property to get more money, and learned what a business credit was and up that, and then came back and was like, "Okay, well, I'm not ready." He's like, "Okay," <laughs> so that followed over later. Like, oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that definitely reflects in your personality, then Because everything that, like, every setback that you see in your way, you always try. Well, first of all, figure out what's the issue, then you start mm-hmm. going to so- try to solve it. Then, even if it doesn't get solved right away, you are still, you still don't like say forget about it and I'm gonna just start, I'm just gonna revert back to where I came from. Because you very well, after you uh, uh, got pre-approved for that 85,000 and so there was zero listings uh, for 85,000, you could have just said, well, I say it was 4,000, but there's nothing here for me. So I'm, this is some good, uh, some good party money for the next- that's few right it very well could have went the other way. But because you were still thinking in the mindset saying, no, um, something's going to come up. I'm a, I'm already, I've already prepared myself for the opportunity to present itself. So once the opportunity presents itself, I can capitalize on it, which is what happened for you. So now you're able to t- take heed to that property that came up. And then I'm assuming that you're able to rent it out afterwards?
2: Yes, exactly. So I had that, um, since you guys are house hackers too, right? I had that Thirty-year low interest. Well, it was low until I learned what like this year's interest rates are. But thirty-year low interest loan. Um, I think the mortgage wound up being five thirty. Um, and right now that unit rents for fourteen hundred. So like totally worth. Really? Oh yeah, the spread is great. Like totally worth.
0: It. What year was that?
2: That was twenty fifteen. Wow,
0: that's like a long time ago. So then what? Okay, because you mentioned the apartment complex. What does your portfolio look like? Hey, mm-hmm. we want to get into.
2: I have all multifamilies at this point. Um, I have a ten-unit building and then two duplexes.
1: Fourteen uh, doors in total.
2: Yeah, that I own, and then like I have Airbnbs that I rent, mm-hmm. and like but, so, but like under like my like owning rental portfolio would be fourteen rental units.
0: Nice, mm-hmm. nice. And how old are you?
2: I am twenty. I am twenty-nine. <laughs> my <laughs> I'm bad. Just caught on guard. You just like aged.
1: Forgot. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> <throat> 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 my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
2: 24. Beautiful. Oh, full babies, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> no, beautiful. I guess because I, that I did. youth blow. I could see what we got on because again, y'all was gonna have me out here looking ratchet <laughs> as the old lady, but I can feel it. Youth, love it, love to see it.
0: No, I love it. I mean, the fact we, I want to, I want to get into Marlon. Did you want to comment on that? Because I want to get it really into like this uh, whole my
2: age. Is so that what you said? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, because
1: I know we have seen before that you were able to retire by age 28 and that's one of our main goals that we were trying to achieve like that's literally the goal we set for ourselves is achieving financial freedom by that by that age so because you were able to do that like that's very inspirational for us to see like hey this is like this is re- re-manifesting this is a possibility for us and I don't know what age did you get started if you don't mind me asking I want to ask if you permission yes. first
2: <laughs> I bought my first place when I was 24.
1: Okay, so, yep. No, 24 years. Was
2: 23, so it was five in total.
1: Okay, five years in total. You were able to go from not knowing anything about real estate to 14 doors financially free. And I know that we definitely want to start diving much more into it. I know, Alex, that's all I had. You can
0: proceed. Yeah, so as far... Yeah, we wasn't going to get into the age. But as far as, uh, like, I know you're huge on um you know house hacking and that being like the way to get into real estate and that starting so how many times did you actually because i i already know you know the answer to what you're going to say but how for the listeners how many times did you house hack and how many times did you do that in terms of like you know to build your portfolio up to up to a certain level and then i'm sure you know you kind of slow down but you
2: know. yeah so i house hacked three times
0: three times okay so that right there is <laughs> The, the house, the, the, I, I, we, we talk about house hacking all beat the time. The, beat t-
1: the horse, bro. Beat the horse. <laughs> yeah, like
0: we talk about it in terms of like it's the best way to get started in real estate. It's like I always say it's the single best financial decision you can make, probably in your life. If you had to pick like one thing, like that was like all, like the only financial decision you could make, I would probably recommend someone. I mean, it, house hack, that's probably one of the best things you'll do because you're number one, obviously eliminating that biggest expense and um you're getting you know all the wealth generators of real estate just by house hacking as well right so you get you know they talk about like uh i don't know if you've heard of craig kerlop from uh, bigger pockets but he's like one of the house hacking experts on there but he talks about a lot like internal rate of return and the net worth return on investment just from house hacking right because you get number one like if we look at the RRI equation you have your benefit over your cost right but when you house hack you get the cash flow you get the rent savings you get the loan pay down you get the appreciation you get all of that and then you divide that by your down payment the returns that you're going to be getting are easily 100% to infinite or not not infinite if you do, if you put money in but you're getting crazy you know triple digit returns just by house hacking right and so i emphasize this so much because it's so freaking powerful so can you kind of just talk about like your experiences with house hacking, and why you think it's like you know one of the best things out there as well.
2: Holy, I think something that isn't shouted enough from the rooftops is that you need somewhere to live. So let's just start right there. You, regardless of you house hack or not, you're paying for housing. You have to have a house. You have to have somewhere you're staying. Unless you're staying, even if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, staying in your family's house or staying with a friend, you have to be somewhere. So why not let the somewhere you are make money? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know people from New York and L.A. with their loud, like no one's talking to you. Talk. Everyone else, though, like the mortgage is similar to the rent. I promise. I promise mm-hmm. it is, which is why I'm renting to you in the first place, <laughs> because the mortgage is cheaper than the rent. It's the right. business. It's literally why the business was made is because in most places, it's cheaper to own than it is to buy. It. Oh, but I don't want to have them take care of the. Shut up. You, you pay for it anyway right? Because you don't want to have to take care of the HVAC, but your rent is doing that regardless. Yeah. So even if you don't want to, that's what's happening. Because if it wasn't, I would have to raise the rent to make the business profitable. So when a tenant calls me and um, that property we just talked about, and is like the stove is out, I was like, oh, well, I made $800 from your rent this month. So I'll go buy a hundred dollars stove and put it in there. <laughs> you Again, you're already paying for that stove. You're already paying for whatever issue. And if it starts to become more expensive than what you're paying, either your rent will go up or I will sell the property. So Anytime you see a rental, I'm making money off of you. And I speak like that because I know I am someone who needs to be shamed into action. And so I find people who also need to be shamed into action. Like, I'm making money off of you. So choose not to. That's cool. So that's number one. For the more sensible people who don't like to be talked to like that, I can say, I think it's the lowest risk investment you're going to have. I don't know whenever else you're going to get a 100% ownership of a property for a 3% down payment. Like I just don't know. Uh, so not so not a property. 100% ownership of the business. Right. Yeah. With a 3% down payment. I just don't know when it ever is it going to happen to you again. So for those people who are like, well, I'm worried about investing in a nail salon or a grocery store or a laundromat, this is a much cheaper way to get involved. Uh and the fact that you can buy a multifamily, which I couldn't afford at that point, um but you could like really, when I bought my duplex, the first like full duplex, one side was completely rented, I'm in one side, renting out the two bedrooms, renting out the parking lot. I Look, just make money is what the goal became. And you can really, uh, just like you said, Alex, like super maximize your investment for, in a very short amount of time.
1: Yeah, yep. One thing I always ask people uh, when it comes to buying a house, because I feel like this is one of the most fundamental things that almost everybody is going to want to experience at some point in their life is buying a house. I like to ask people, what's the lowest down payment you can put on a house? Most people don't know it's the problem. They always would be like, oh, maybe it's, like, I don't know, 20%. Then they have different fears, like preconceived fears about like um, with buying a house less than 20%. Oh, my over leverage yeah. is the property value going to go down? Oh, I had to pay PMI, oh, this, that, and the other. But in reality, you'd be like, like like you said, even if you calculate all those uh, different line items, principal, interest, taxes, insurance, PMI, uh, repairs, all that is built into that one number for rent payment. And I love I love you putting it in perspective like that because that's I, I say the same thing to everybody like you keep on complaining about all these different line items but and you really in reality all it is is that you are psychologically you like to see this one number because you mentioned how people are invested into it but they just don't know
0: they are right yeah. the, with the with the with the, the rents right and I always think of that too in the same way when people when we just look at like the daily stuff because a lot of people you ask them like. You know, why don't you even we just look at the stock market, something simple, right? Why don't you invest in a stock market or something? It's like, well, I mean, I don't want I don't want to invest, I don't like it, I'm not interested. I'm like, Well, you're already invested into it, it's just that you're on the wrong side of it, right? Because when you watch Netflix, you're invested into the Netflix. When you're, you know, on your Twitter, you're invested into Twitter stock, you're invested into all of that kind of stuff, you're just on the other side of it. And it's really the same way with renting and owning too. You're invested into that property, you just don't get none of the benefits from it. <laughs> so that's one thing that I really want people to uh, really think about and resonate too. Um, And so I'm really glad you made that point.
1: You said that you now own two duplexes and a 10 unit apartment, right? So um, how did that transition start to look for you? Like saying, okay, I wanted to scale my business to multi-units. Did you go straight there? Did you do some single families in between? How'd that work for you?
2: Uh, No. So I guess the first two were single families. So I moved the first house I bought, um, I have been working the owners of the other side of that duplex, just like a little bit of complaining about the tenant, you know, because they were out of state owners. I'd be like, oof, you know, these new tenants you got, just like, just trying to wear them down. Just be like, oh, are you trying to sell? Well, if you're going to sell, then you might as well just sell to me because, like, I could do all this for you. So that gave me the first duplex and then um, use an FHA loan to get the second duplex. And then from there, there was some like seller financing deals in between. Some stuff like I've sold since then to pay for the bigger things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like let's the little flips, um, nothing like massive, mostly just cosmetic to get like 8,000 here, 10,000 there. And that paid for the larger apartment building.
0: Nice. Just rewinding a little bit, each of those house. So the first, they were all obviously owner-occupant where they all like pretty much, did you have a problem going to the bank and they seeing your debt increase, but necessarily, I mean, yeah, of course they take, into consideration the new income, but for the most part, was there an issue with that in regards to like going to the bank and they're actually seeing their, you know?
2: Uh, No, there wasn't for me, but there was such a huge spread between the mortgages and the rents that um, they, like I was making more in their eyes and they were like totally okay with that. So when I have a $500 mortgage, but at that point, I think the rent was like 12 or 1300. There's like, there's more than enough spread. She's making double the mortgage. So it's not a threat or it's not a, liability on her income sheet because she's making so much from it
1: do you uh, house act today no, no. So <laughs> my yeah. husband was
2: like we're done right i'm, done. <laughs> I'm over it i'm done i'm done <laughs> and so we're
1: done. <laughs> and that's fine though, because you were able to set yourself up for something that you really wanted as opposed to buying something you couldn't afford uh five years ago. So now you're able to probably live much, much more how you want to with tenants already built in. Like you, you I think you said three and a half, three, and five. That in total is 11 and percent down on three different properties that you own 100%, that you reap 100% of the benefits of. So all mm-hmm. the rent, you're not paying, you're not giving 97% of that back to the, um, to the mortgage company that, that, uh, that gave you the loan, you're keeping 100% of the uh, of the rent and then paying off the little piece of a mortgage that you may have, maybe putting some away for expenses. But overall, you saw, it saw your cash flowing very, very uh, handsomely overall. Can so, I tell
2: you, for our dream house, at least for the dream house of like, the level we can afford right now, mm-hmm. we still pay less than our tenants do in our mortgage. Wow. So again, when I say like, I'm not lying to you, when I say my tenants pay more mortgage, for a uh, 1,000-square-foot house compared to my 3,000-square-foot house. You're like, I right, keep talking about you don't want a house. i like, fine, whatever. <laughs> like, if you had that point, still like, okay. But I, my tenants pay more in housing than I do. And I'm not saying that as like, we're evil landlords and we're charging too much. I'm saying it's more like, because you're already in the system. You're already mm-hmm. paying for it. So why not make some money?
1: and you know once you get to the point where your your housing can be like your personal housing can be paid for by your tenants like even though you're not being there because all the cash flow is able to pay for your mortgage your personal one that's still in my opinion that's another version of like a cheap type of house hacking right there like you're still i'm still having my stuff paid for i just don't have to live with you no more i can buy my own place and i still have enough (laughs)
2: that's a beautiful thing (laughs) The open air. Y'all right. But they are still
1: paying your mortgage down. So that's the beauty of house hacking. And just in essence, because if you, you did that for three years, now you have, now your personal residence without anybody living by you, you have no duplex, no r- renting out bedrooms. You literally are getting your stuff paid for because you chose to house hack for three years instead of yeah. buying your dream house right out the gate that you couldn't
2: afford. And I still have a mortgage and the cash flow was able to cover, right? Right. Well, I started buying when I was 23. So even if I wanted to stay in my job, right if I retired at 65 like the traditional whatever I'd have all these houses paid free and clear
0: mm-hmm.
2: so now I, I get a huge almost raise in life from between 23 and 53 due to nothing of me like yeah. just like y'all been paying for it for 30 years. so even if I never bought another piece of property all that just builds and that there's going to be more equity. The property's going to be valued at more money. I have something to pass down, which is nice. But I mean, even if you just want to focus on you, I probably five, eight, those, sorry, I'm just going to try to see if I can come up with the numbers. I probably pay with those first three house acts about $3,000 a month in mortgages. So that will just be when this is done. So in 30 years, if I wait that long, if I don't pay them off early, I get a $3,000 monthly raise just for doing what I've been doing.
0: The, beautiful, the the thing I love about it too is like, no matter how much you have to put down, it's not even the fact that that, that money is not going nowhere. It's you just, because I know you you had talked about investing is not spending, right? And spending is different from investing. So, because when you spend money, the money is gone. When you invest money, you're essentially just transferring it into you know, a different account, really, if we're being honest, right? Because the down payments, whatever, Marlon said that was 11% for those three houses, that money, it didn't go, it's not like you spent it on something that's gone now, the money is still there, as long as you want it there. So that's, it's, but that's just like a, a perspective and a shift. So it's like, don't even think about that down payment as like, Oh, my God, I'm gonna lose my this, I gotta put this 5000. No, it's pretty much like, it's like when someone If so, like, for example, the lady that lent us $115,000 to buy real estate. she It's not like she lost that money. She just transferred it to a different account that gives you a better (laughs) savings or uh, Mm -hmm. interest rate if you want to think about it that way. So it's just another perspective that people got to really shift and think about it.
2: Which is why um, I tell my house hackers, if they can, right? We're not saying like buy one house hack and then leave your job and then go get the new car or whatever. It's don't, that you were living before you got that money. Because that's is else, something else that helped me a lot is that my lifestyle did not change between those properties. Mm-hmm. As, as much as my bougie inner person wanted to come out and just live her best life, I couldn't yet because I wasn't where I wanted to be. So all that money, I still don't touch that money. So as much as like, in theory, the rental money could require me, I'm living off other businesses. Like mm-hmm. I don't use that money. So it just sits in those accounts. But that also... I know this is a separate topic, but it makes us better landlords or it makes us better business owners because we are not so tied to the profit. We don't have to make decisions solely for today's because I'm like, yo, I need all 500 of these dollars to pay my rent. If that was the case, when homegirl is late because I've already got phone calls like, yo, I'm going to have to break up the rent, I would be stuck. And we saw how many businesses were stuck back in March and April when they were like, yo, we've been out of work. I'm like, y'all, I don't know if you saw the meme I posted about Cheesecake Factory on April 1st just being like, nah, bro, we don't got it. It's like, you don't got it. (laughs) Y'all are, it's been two weeks. How are (laughs) Are we supposed to have six months of savings? It's been two weeks, bro. And y'all can't pay rent. And they didn't pay rent anywhere. Yeah. So at every location across the U.S., they said we don't have it. Right. And if you ran your regular business like that, you'd mm. be out too. If you were like, "Yo, we're living on this like razor in margin." Anytime a toilet—that's how you become a slumlord, right? If you yeah. didn't want to be like emotionally, anytime a toilet breaks, you're like, "Yo, do I replace her toilet?" It's like, yes, you replace her toilet. But if you've already spent that money, then you can't. Right. So by having a bigger profit margin but <clears throat> not spending the money immediately you could save up some reserves maybe if you need to you just learn a little bit more about your property but it just makes you so much better and less stressed like if people don't pay it's like all right well I want you to but we're good for a few months like we're straight we'll figure it out
0: hey chill my tenants on the <laughs> other side I don't want them to hear that
1: awesome <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really a uh, that plays back on like the, with the type of um a discipline that you built for yourself in order to get these properties, like you were already in a disciplined mindset of saving your money and not having to spend everything that you make. So even if your income increases because you're getting paid more in rent, doesn't mean that you have to start, go start spending that as a result as well. Now you're able to. Well, I think you also are forward thinking though because you're thinking times are not always going to be beautiful with sunshine and rainbows. There will be a time where I don't have a tenant for maybe five months straight. There'll be a time where I have a tenant living in there that's not paying, and I have to. I maybe have to evict. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry to say, stuff does happen in in real estate that's not always so glamorous. Five months. okay let's take it back two months then <laughs> either way everything is not every uh rental is not always going to be rented out every unit is not always going to be having somebody in there paying full price and rent so for those times uh, of crisis times like we are in right now you're able to still survive and even thrive like it's not even phasing you the way it's, it's phasing other businesses who are having to go into or had to go into bankruptcy because they were spending everything that they were making and, and mm-hmm. from their profit and i think that brings on that's a that's you really hit a good point
0: when you talked about your you live off your other businesses and that just goes back to the importance of multiple streams of income because at the end of the day we 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 can say like hey don't have only a w-2 job but it it applies the same way like if if your only income is rental income you're still relying on one stream of income it don't matter and at the end of the day a business owner with one business is still one stream of income. If that business dries up, I mean, look at the Cheesecake Factory, like you said. If the business dries up, what's going to happen? They ain't had no other streams of income that they could pay the rent with. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, a, you got to be thinking like that. And that's why we're big on multiple streams of income. Because one yeah. is too close to none. So, yes. So can we, I want to talk about these, uh the other properties that you own and all that kind of stuff and what you're doing now with the, as far as like what you're, trying to do moving forward. So you say that you own a building, a 10 unit building. So yeah. how, how, how is was that as far as like purchasing that and like getting financing for that? I know you, we kind of had glazed over, but can we get into more? So that, cause that's a, we haven't, I don't think we've talked about commercial real estate investing on the podcast because I mean, I don't just, we haven't really had anyone that's been doing it, I think. So it's a really good opportunity to talk about that. So can you, you know, talk about how you got into that and you know, what how that looks for you now?
2: Yeah. So the reason, the only reason I looked at commercial was because my husband told me I couldn't house hack anymore. So <laughs> I was like, well, I guess <laughs> commercial is the next way. And I don't, it feels silly to spend money commercially on a single family um, because you can only have so many mortgages. And I was like, well, if I'm going to get a mortgage, let it be a bigger building. So again, I kind of went out with my little budget thinking I could find something and nothing came up for months and months and months. My budget was 200 grand. I wanted something bigger than four units and I was hoping I could find and it was nothing. And at that point, uh even single families in my area became like 190, 200. Like we just had this huge boom. Uh, so I had to look outside my market and I found a property on Craigslist. Yes, for sale by owners. I found a property on Craigslist for a dude who wanted, he had a 10 unit and there was a 12 unit behind him or two 12 units behind him. And he said the other owner wanted to go in. So if somebody went to buy the whole package, they could. So he was selling his for 180. And I think the other two, uh, 180, 200, 220. And that's when I went, I went to see them. I was like, they're cute little studios. They don't make very much, but they're not an expensive loan. So it was okay. And really I wanted the experience. I was telling, um, my dad I think at that point of just like even if it crashes and burns I'm not out that much money but I have to learn how to do this because I, I, if I can't manage a 10 unit I can't manage a 40 and I know they're out there but I can't take on a 40 unit right now like I don't even know what it takes to manage and building with lots of different people so that's when I went to the bank to get a commercial loan and they said you don't have enough reserves you have great cash flow but you don't have the reserves we want you don't have, they wanted like a year reserves per property. I was like, who does that? No one. No one has a, reserve a year reserve for your property, but they wanted that. They wanted, um, I need to have an LLC, which like you have to have an LLC to own a commercial property. And there was something else I needed. Um, and so I went back for a few months and I hoped it would still be there. And could, that's all I could do was hope that it was still, and it was, cause it was a for sale by owner. So it was still there. And I went back, um, I offered him the. 180 he wanted, knowing full well that I was going to lower it during inspections, because I just need to know what was wrong. Um, once we inspected it, the roof was really shoddy, and the apartments were actually pretty solidly built, but the roof, and I'm like, I don't want to get stuck in three years with a $30,000 roof or a $20,000 roof. So we renegotiated. I paid 160, and they put aside 25000 for the roof. So I got... With that 160, it came with a building with a brand new roof, brand new gutters, brand new vents, fit hood, like all that came included. And yeah, so I closed on that last June, June 2019. And I was under contract in May or April for the 12 unit behind it, but then COVID. So we have to like restructure, but that's, I still got my eye on the prize. That's the building I want before the year's up. So I gotta get a little more money in my pocket cause I don't have a job anymore according to the bank. So I have to get a little more in my pocket. But once I get that, that 12 unit is mine.
0: Two things that I love about that is the fact that you kind of, you, you're, you're you're forcing yourself to, number one, you know, grow, right? Because it's very really easy to just continue to whatever. Not even if we're not looking at house hacking, just continue doing single family. And it's not bad if that's yeah. what you want to do, single family, whatever. That's, I mean, there's mm-hmm. people that have 100 houses in single family. I personally wouldn't do that. But if that's what you want to do, then that's, fine, but it forces you by, you know, you know, okay, if I need if I want to own that 40 unit, I got to know how to do the 10 unit. And so if I can't learn how to manage, because the thing is, when you're getting into commercial real estate, it's like, you're not buying a house anymore. You're buying businesses because they're even evaluated based off of the income. They don't even evaluate them like normal residential houses. They evaluate it like a business. If you were going to go sell a business, they're going to say, what does it generate? the same way when they're looking at commercial real estate so by you knowing okay if i want to get into commercial the big time real estate i gotta know how what's the ins and outs of you know this stuff and so you force yourself to kind of you know learn it in that way and then whenever you 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 mentioned about the fact that you're trying to get 12 unit and you're you know the the goal is now i just got to build capital and that's kind of similar to what we're doing too right now we're flipping houses so that we can buy our first apartment um hopefully next year but that's I mean it's it's really textbook, so I really commend you on that and I I love that. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. One thing I heard from your story was that um, you're always looking for like a way to at least learn the game before you try to go go really big. So just like with when you start a house hacking. House hacking I always say is like a um, landlording on training wheels. It's <laughs> like, okay, this is a good way for me to uh, and I still have I'm living in, in this place, but I get to see what the tenant life is like, what it's like to collecting rent, what it's like making repairs, what it's like to, uh, taking taking requests from a tenant. You see all those things firsthand because you're living with them now you can go uh, rent out a single family or a duplex without living there and you are very familiar with the process already so you don't have to physically be there to do it if you want to get that 40 unit you say okay let me try a 10 unit i'll actually learn the process and i'll learn what it's like to run the actual business before i start scaling and that's just what's, what's become comfortable for you one thing um i was wondering though because like alex said some people do all single family route is there any reasons behind why you chose the multi-family route was there like like the pat- passivity of it the business uh, of it the um i don't know if, if you respond on that like why you chose multi-family
2: yeah <laughs> so in my area a big part of it was just the money like i just could make um uh my duplex cost more than the apartment building i own i think the second single family was close Right. So if I'm going to make that second single family, I think I paid 140 in the the apartment building cost 160. So I can make $1,400 or I can make $4,000 for the same price. And that's very different. Um, And I know they don't all line up that easy. Usually when you go bigger, they're a lot more expensive. But I went to a new market and tried something different. And it's it's, uh, about a two hour drive from where I currently live. So I had to be uncomfortable too of like, so on the days you go, like I go on Mondays, um, when you go, it's gonna be a four hour drive. That's Mm -hmm. part of what it costs until the building. Now I don't go every week, but when I first got it last June, it was like, that's a commitment you have to make now because uh, you need to learn how the building works. I've never had a building this big. So like there's not, a water, like everyone doesn't have a main drain. You have to figure out where that is. This on a septic tank. I didn't know you had to pump septic. What what was that? So by the time he came, he was like, girl, I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't know. Like, I don't spray with my single families, I don't do pest inspection. I don't do, um I don't pay for exterminators. You live in your own apartment, like your own townhouse. That's your job. But with buildings, you have to pay for stuff like that. So learning those little pieces because it paid me more. So right. that was number one. Um, and the scalability was just easier. Because yeah. now yeah. I, you could, I could have 10 single families, but now I just have one handyman because they're mm-hmm. all in the same strip. And when I get that 12 unit, I have 22 units that can all use the same handyman. So I only have one handyman, one plumber, one lawyer, one property manager, compared to if I had 10 all over the state, I would have to have different plumbers i would have to have different property managers potentially um i could probably have the same lawyer but it just doesn't scale well yeah, right and i couldn't buy my city anymore
0: and i think that's the that's like the essence of economies of scale just in terms of like you know being able to having everything under one roof it's like of course with or not one roof in that case but just in general whenever you buy a building it's like you know they share the same walls um, you know, you might have you only need that one handyman, you only need one person to take care of that entire building as opposed to those single family houses. So, that's economy of scale is one big reason why I'm really I love you know the at least commercial real estate aspect of um buying apartments. So, that's a really good thing. So, one thing you did mention though is as far as like from last year to now, you're not even having to go there as much, and to me, that speaks to. You've like implemented systems and you you started, you know, automating things. So can you talk more so about the importance of like, or what it kind of looks like in terms of just even on a smaller scale right now, even when we talk commercial, just like if someone's house hacking, right? Because that's something you need to, you know, you have to start implementing early those systems in place to, because at the end of the day, you, you don't want to buy a job that's the worst thing you can do is to buy yourself another job. So what systems have you implemented in order to make your business more passive um, in real estate?
2: Totally. So, Ooh, great question. Um, so the big thing, so rent collection, right. That like rent notices go out on a certain day. <clears throat> this is what they look like. If you're going to mail it in here is the pre-stamp pre-addressed envelope that's already in it. Just, just like you got a Comcast bill or a, water bill from the city like it looks like every bill the same way um everyone because all my properties are in virginia uh everyone's on the same eviction schedule right so like hey rents you on the first second day you get your notice seventh day we're filing for eviction like that's what it is unless you get in contact that's what we do i don't pick up the phone when tenants call Send me a text or leave me a voicemail because I don't want to talk to you because you just you just going to tell me about so many things that I don't need. I just don't I don't need it. <laughs> just it. let me know the issue and I will get it fixed. Um, emergencies are solved within forty eight hours if we can, but non emergencies get solved once a week. So when I go down for my weekly checkups of everything, that's when we'll do not emergencies. So if a light bulb's out, if there's a small leak under the sink, like, hey, put a bucket under there, we'll fix it in two days. But we're not going to keep calling people out every time a little thing happens. Um, What else? Oh, call the police. Like, call them. Don't call me. If there's an issue, someone's breaking in, I can't help. What am I supposed to do? Like, what? Just, you know, like, and this is a really big thing of like, I'm not going to be a mediator between you guys. We're not, I was an RA in college and I, I got enough. I'm done because adults are just terrible. So I don't want to sit down. Well, her dog did. If it's an issue called police, if it's not figured out, you're an Adele. Um, but that has saved my phone, you know, and saved me from getting lots of phone. Cause I also run Airbnbs and they need support. Cause they can leave me reviews. So they leave me my support more so than my tenants might. And I just need you to learn to solve some of these issues by yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, think you've been training. I, think yeah, I was about to say, I had the exact thing written down. So, yeah. um, one thing I, I, I uh, look back on when I was a tenant and I just shamed my own self for certain things I even requested. There was one time that the light bulb went out and there was another time where <laughs> I didn't have a, um, was a towel holder. If I I'm like and I'm over here to keep on putting in a request, where is my towel holder? I need my towel. Like, bro, shut up. That's like a $15 item, bro. Go that's get that's it. That's that's this that's stuff. Yes.
2: It like, you <laughs> dog. But
1: that's that's 18-year-old me versus 24-year-old me. You just learn so much over the over this time, especially coming from the landlord perspective. You see how petty certain little things are. It's like, why are you asking me for that? Like, okay, are you not an adult? for one like if you, i guess you just you still yeah. on your mom. And
2: i think some of it as well is i know some people can be petty and some of the issues can be petty but it also helps you be better too so in my moving basket i mean all your lights work but he i don't take care of your lights but here's a six pack anyway right because that's gonna cost me three dollars and i know these lights all work and these lights should work for at least two or three years so here's just a six pack of lights mm-hmm. for you to put in your house at some point because i know it's petty or we'll when we do our maintenance checks so i'll do once a season i'll go in with my handyman we go into each unit and we just like check water and thing, you know just to make sure everything's working that's when i'll be like hey i see the towel holders loose let's fix this up right here don't i fixed it a month ago if it's still broken you have to deal with it before but you can use that to get better too but yeah no if you'd be sitting in the dark no towel towel musty just (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
2: But,
1: I mean, it out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the whole thing about it, though. Oh, it's what's... about training your tenants. Though. Like you want to be able to train these people to be adults for one, and then not to rely, yeah, be, not to be dependent on you. Because at the end of the day, like you said, before, like we said earlier, you don't want to buy yourself another job. This is supposed to be a passive investment, something that you are able to generate income from to live the life that you want to live, not something that you have to be intertwined into twenty four seven in order for it to operate. And that's the essence of why we like building businesses. Why we, why I appreciate that you are uh, going into multifamily. multi route, which is a business in itself, because that allows you to step away from being a self-employed to a business owner, somebody who's able to uh, have, have a system in place to operate their business, not necessarily them being the person that is the, the sole focus of the business and well, the sole reason why the business is still up and running. Mm-hmm. I got one more thing I want to comment on. So I saw so I know there was a video that was going around last week. It was about the guy who had the tenant. Yes, you already know what I'm talking about. Had the tenant that destroyed all of his um, all of his stuff in, the, in his uh, rental. I know Alex has sent it to me and I no, nah, I, I, I sent it. I think I sent it to Alex because I saw when I was scrolling through Twitter. I'm like, wow, that's 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 rough. And I saw that you commented on it on your on your Instagram story because I know how people are. People love finding any reason whatsoever to justify how they feel. And if they are opposed to something, they're like, "Ah, I got it." Now look, this is why I they want. It. This I is why I told you. This is <laughs> yeah. why they want to be investing because I. This stuff <laughs> like this happens. But I love the point that you want to. I love the points that you made. So I want you to share that share that with our audience too. Because well, talk.
0: Can you tell them what the video was? Yeah, they don't okay. people. So people don't know what was happening. Can you tell them what happened?
2: Yeah, so in the video, uh, Homie clearly beautifully renovated a rental unit. I'm talking floors, brand new energy efficient windows, new appliances. Great. Much better than any of my stuff. Like very, very nice apartment. And then he rented it to a woman, I'm assuming with like a few kids, couple kids, two, three kids, who was struggling to find rent. Like no, her story at least through, and this is, I'm getting it through him was that nobody would rent to her. Mm -hmm. And so him was like, he was like, look, I'm a landlord, this is a business, but I wanna help you out, you can live here. She didn't pay her rent. Um, I'm assuming maybe she didn't pay for August-ish. I'm trying to put some dates. And he came and essentially said like, so you're gonna have to go. He didn't file an eviction, we can't file evictions right now. Um, And she was not pleased and she destroyed his place. And sometimes we like casually say destroyed, We're like, oh, because she didn't like sweep. But no, like she like really destroyed it. And in ways, I don't even know if she was, she knew how bad it was what she did. Um, For instance, she threw paint on his new floors, which you can't buff it out because it wasn't hardwood. So those floors have to be like replaced because that paint is dried and you can't scrape it because then you'll scrape the floors. She ripped the window, she broke the windows, but then ripped them out. So all that casing has been ripped out, which means the siding on the outside of the house would have to be fixed too. She busted the like washer and dryer glass doors. She rips the lights down. She like left no, wrote on the wall. She like left nothing usable. And it was devastating. It was really, really hard to see such beautiful work just get destroyed so quickly. And a lot of people tagged me in that video and I was like, what would you do? Oh my God, insurance. And then a lot of people on the other side was like, he should have known better. And this, that, and the third, and he got whatever. And I was like, so both of y'all need to stop because like, we could all know better. I just had a tenant infested with roaches. I didn't know she was roach lady. I didn't know there was going to be roaches in the an apartment. And somebody could see that and be like, you should have known that because she, oh, what? I, what should I have known? <laughs> There's no like screaming, Like, can you live with roaches? Is that a problem for you? <laughs> or do you have standards? <laughs> um, but the people saying why they shouldn't or I could never, it's like, number one, this doesn't happen to everybody. And it wasn't his fault that it happened. But if you're not putting the same energy to like, yo, you shouldn't be a doctor because you know sometimes people die. And you're right. like, have you ever said that? You shouldn't be an engineer because you know sometimes people don't be following your instructions. And it's like, with that, what? You should be uh, a politician because you know sometimes people don't listen. And you just like, you would never say that with this other stuff. This energy you're putting is so backwards to justify your like your desire, like your inaction to execute, like your inactions in general in terms of this. And so I don't want to hear it. Um, If you write to me like, yo, what could I learn? Like, could I do better? Would insurance cover this? I just want to be prepared. I can teach you those things. But if you're using it, all those people who are using it as a reason to justify why they shouldn't, like good, because you weren't going to anyway. Let's just like, (laughs) just let it go. Because you weren't going to um, if you're letting these things scare you. Because it happens to so few of us.
1: Mm-hmm. that is why that's all i want to hear because you summed it all up perfectly at the end it's like people are looking for a reason to continuously live and the, live the way they are because they feel like for one they may have some type of inferiority that they feel when they see you doing something better like oh no nah, bro there's something bad with it like i've heard bad stories about it so i'm just waiting for the time where it happens to you and and yeah. so now that they have a re- something to point to now they want to point to that but i like, see i told you i told you instead be like no well, it happens. It, it will happen, but like like you said, it happens in every business. If you're looking for something bad, you're going to find something bad eventually. Like, every, no, nothing is perfectly flawless, but that doesn't mean that you should still take uh, no action and continuously live the mediocre life that you are.
2: And you'd be like, it, it's bad? Well, don't forget, uh, your rent is still doing the first, baby. So <laughs> if you want to be upset, just make sure you still sit there and <laughs> be upset in that of the apartment because- yeah. that's how you feel so be it but
1: that was everything for me i guess the final question though is um what's the end goal for deandre mcdonald
2: hmm um
1: your pockets a little bit do you mind
2: uh, (laughs) (laughs) what is the end goal i can give you i i don't know if i have an end goal i have like a five year goal
0: well what are those are
2: so okay and this came from I want to give you a little background because time's that real. Um, I used to teach, right? And I taught in this class called AVID. And AVID is um, like a gateway for underserved children who want to go to college, but like our first generation college students, maybe uh, minority students, low income households, stuff like that. And I said, one day we said, I was like, I just want you to dream. Like if you could find your dream house on Trulia, what would it look like? And they were pulling up, like, two-bedroom, and I was like, but that was all they had been exposed to, right? Because parents didn't go to college, so there's maybe not a lot of money in the house. So you know what you know. And by the end of that, they were in there like, is that granite and not marble? And I was like, yes, that's what I want. I want you to feel like you can have whatever you want. Love right. It. If you don't like the layout, whatever, like you have to work for it, but I want you to dream. And so they made me do the same thing. And I found a house in Atlanta that I was like, Oh, this is my house. This is, this is my house. And it is a mansion. <laughs> and when you look at a mortgage you're like, so 40,000 a month, huh? Okay. yeah, <laughs> Okay. But in five years, my husband just started his PhD. So we'll be here for another four years. And in five years, I just wanna feel like money is not an issue at all. Like the fact that he was able to even go back, like he went on scholarship and stuff, but that money was never part of the discussion. It was like, does this work for our life? Um, Can kids factor into this? Like how would this work with aging parents? Like those were the questions we were having, but it was never about money. And as my parents get older, as I maybe think about having kids, I just want to be in a spot where money is not an issue. And that number I've landed on is like a hundred grand a month is kind of what I would like to make, um, through all the businesses. Yeah. And I am not at even 20% of that. So let's just put that out there right now. <laughs> it's not even like, Oh, well, I'm making 75. So like, I'll just figure it out. But that push is like, think big, even to the kids, right? Think bigger than what you want. Um, cause you can get there, but even going back to what you said, how, how did you know it was time to do something else? Cause single families weren't going to get me to a hundred grand a month. They mm-hmm. weren't without me having a thousand properties and essentially getting another job single. But because my goal is like a hundred grand a month, it has to be like, well, it has to be a hundred units. And I can't do a hundred units now, but I'll do the 10 in the meantime of that. Um, so yeah, that's my long-term or like, I guess like five-year goal starting last year was a hundred grand month. It's possible. And we know it because of exposure, because of stuff you guys do, like it's out there and it's scary. But if I don't, then it's like, what's the point? If you're like, could you imagine and you guys, I was your age when I bought my first place. So imagine if you guys were just comfortable. You're like, okay, so at 24, I'm done. Like wow what a life that's it <laughs> we've we, we've reached the heights of what we got <laughs> Just 50 more years of fake plants in my background if that's what <laughs> you want <laughs> 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 that's, 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 we'll be here in 70 years it will be and I'm like I'm thinking, but i know y'all want more than this too
1: man uh, i
0: love this answer yeah. i love it because yeah, it's the best one Number one, you're giving yourself a why, right? So, like, you're, it, it, you're not just, like, blindless, blind, oh, aimlessly doing things. Like, there's a physical manifestation thing out there that's, like, this is what I want. Like, even in terms of the house, too, because I'm big on that. Like, for my I, – I, I saw a house earlier this year in January on, of this guy I follow on Instagram, a realtor in Dallas, and he did a tour. And I screen recorded a video. I put it, I saved it in my phone and I watch it every morning. Cause I said, that's the house I'm going to buy when I, you know, whatever age. And then when I was 24, I, I, uh, I was
1: 24.
0: I mean, sorry. When I turned, when I turned 24, uh, got it postered and I put it on my wall and I framed it and I literally look at it every morning. And it's like, that's the, ho- I mean, it's like, bro, of course there's a mansion in, in Dallas. And that's like, that's the house that I want. But the thing about it is like, it's like, it, you can feel it. It's so like, y- Because it's like a physical thing that's like there and even with you with the house or the 100 grand thing, it's like something that's like, I don't know, I think about like waking up and like seeing uh, deposits in my bank account in the amount that's like, oh, yeah, I covered my mortgage today, right? And like you can physically like manifest and see those things. It makes it a lot easier to like work towards those like goals. So I I love that
1: answer because it's like you're not just doing it just to do with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Same, same here. Like I was literally trying not trying to uh, avoid shouting while um, <laughs> while you were saying your whole answer because everything that you were saying is stuff that I preach so often. It's about dreaming big. So uh, mm-hmm. for your students, you were telling them what's your dream house, and unfortunately, they were on they were only dreaming in the realms of what they had already seen growing up. And instead of instead of just thinking, I can go beyond this to something that's may seem unimaginable, but everything is obtainable if I believe that I can achieve it. And so if you are thinking on a scale of mansion in Dallas, a $40,000 uh, mortgage, because that's the dream house that I want. If you can think in those realms, you can then tell your you can backtrack. I always say reverse engineer and say, how do I get there? like I, now you start building a plan, you pretty much open your mind and say, I'm not where I currently want to be, but there. Are, but if I build a roadmap or if I build a, a bridge to get there, eventually I will obtain it. It may take steps. It's not going to be an instant one step I'm there, but if I, like like I said, lay out that plan and eventually I will be there. And you're not, right now you're in the midst of doing the necessary steps to get where you want to be. So that's perfect. That's why I always preach dream big because once you do that, you can then open up your mind to the possibilities that you otherwise yeah. didn't think you were obtainable. Oh, yeah, so bad. So then, what
2: are y'all's? What are y'all's in, in goals? Well,
0: you know, the me, next well, is the commercial. Well, yeah, just for me, I mean, I always said I wanted to, number one, look, when we started this, when we was 22, we said, I always said I wanted to be financially free by age 28. And that was just replacing, you know, the, the job income, right? But then, you know, getting exposed to all of... Once we started the podcast, we got exposed to so many different avenues to like of of wealth creation because before it was just like real estate, real estate, real estate. And that was like all I was focused on. But it's like it's not it's not to say like that's not what people should do. But for me, I was like, okay, I'm big on multiple streams of income. So if I can have, you know, this business doing this and this business doing this, that's what I want. So I always say that I need to get $50,000 in passive income now by the time I'm 28. That's the goal per month. I don't want that, you know, as you know, I, that, that that's for that's that's what I'm thinking of right now. So
1: I would say for myself. I would, So one thing I always wanted ever since I was probably in junior high was a Chevy Corvette. And Ooh. that was one. That was always one thing that a few of me, because I'm like, I'm a hat. Literally, if you ask anybody who's driven with me every single time I see a Corvette, I act a fool. I should be like hey I'll see you like I just get so excited because I picture, I always envision myself in it one day I'm like I'm that's that will be me so that was always one thing that I that kept me motivated to say okay I'm working toward a goal and I always tell people to develop a why like something that they want like their end goal what do you, what do you want because that's what's going to keep fueling you in your worst days like the days where you don't feel like working that's going to fuel you to continue to keep pressing forward to achieve that goal that you set forth in the beginning and so I would say I've, I think my goal is always evolving, though. Like it, in regards to like the n- the number piece, because as you get exposed to more things, like to more people, like uh, DeAndre uh, McDonald or other people that we've interviewed, we're seeing that there's more possibilities than what we f- uh, first thought. Like when I was talking about with real estate, like I, for me it was it was the same thing, just replace the nine to five income with um with passive income. Now it's gonna be through real estate, but now it's just evolving, like the Income potential, I feel like it's limitless in, in a sense. Like there's no end to how much you can obtain. It's really just about um, how much will it take for you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. Yeah. And so that's kind yeah. of how how I've shaped it up. And so once I've identified, like like I think it's very good that both of y'all have the dream house identified I've seen the Corvette and that's, that was already enough for me. But <laughs> if I did identify my dream house, that would be the concrete number that I, I set to be like, okay, that much that much in passive income to cover the mortgage. I need passive income to cover the Corvette. I need passive income to cover um, all the travel that I want to do moving forward, because I tell about my my travel, uh like my travel plans all the time as well. <laughs> I see you look interested so
2: I'll, I don't oh, I want my passport to be full Just just mm-hmm. where we going I want to go somewhere for exactly. a month We're going to figure it out I just want to go
1: There you go right there It's like I always ask people How how long do you think a vacation should last? Most people say anywhere between Five to seven days I'm saying no I want my vacation to last for 30 days At minimum yeah. And that's the time And I don't have to go to one place and come right back. I can go to one place, go after seven days, go to another place and after seven days, go to somewhere else. I don't have to stay and do the traditional go there, come back and work my nine to five. That's the yeah. way I'm thinking of. So I need passive income to cover that too. And so mm-hmm. whatever that number is for me, that's what it, that's, where I, that's where I will end up at. But I think it's always evolving. So I haven't set a concrete number for it, but that's something that's also in the plans.
0: Yeah. Uh, so man, that was a, that, I, we want to close it out with the fast yeah. five. Um, this is pretty much where we will, you know, get into, well, we're going to ask you five questions. I think we should, we should, we should make it less time. Cause I think what we do, we give them 60 seconds, but that's too much time to answer each question. So we're going to give you 25 seconds to answer each 25? question.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> 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 there, 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 the questions aren't, the questions aren't tough, but 60 seconds. Is, uh, that's, uh, it's been too easy in the past. So he yeah, wants to make it a little more challenging. Yeah. We got it. Okay. You got to put some pressure on you. So um, <laughs> okay. I'm going to take the first one and Mom's take the next one. We'll alternate. So, first question, what does, we'll give you 30 seconds. First question, oh, there what you
2: does, go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What so is so generous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. First question, what does success mean to you?
2: Uh, success means that I'm able to do whatever I want.
1: Look at that! Three seconds.
2: <laughs> question <laughs> 30 number thirty seconds per question. Yes. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought it was like no. I thought, I, thought yeah. I had to answer five questions thirty seconds. My bad. Oh, okay. If I can elaborate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> let me. Let me...
1: <laughs> she said, "Oh, now I can talk." Like, there you we go. <laughs> it,
2: like, you got five like, seconds. I, okay. Stop playing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I, I mean, I'll elaborate slightly, but I think in my world, success means that money is not ever a part of why I can do something. If it's for moral reasons, religious reasons, or if it's for ethical reasons or whatever, it's never going to be money. So I want to make sure that me, the generation above me, the generation after me, um, never have to use money as a basis for their decisions.
1: That's perfect. All right, so question number two. What's your favorite money or business book? And why?
2: Oh, my favorite.
1: Oh, there's like a bookshelf over there. Let me see.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at a bookshelf. <laughs> my favorite um, money. Okay, I... look, The 4-Hour Workweek, I will say, is my favorite money book. Sure. And I think it's because it really drastically shifted how I thought a business should be wrong. It wasn't the exposure to how businesses are. It was like, no, you could make anything a work from anywhere, two hour a week business if you set the right people to do what they should. And I really love that mentality.
1: I love it, no
0: doubt. Okay, third question. Would you rather have $1,000 a week for life or $1 million today and why? $1,000
2: a week for life or $1 million today? I think I would go with the $1 million today and that's because I know I can make more than $50,000 a year with that money.
0: So you did the math in your head. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and I guess on a more like realistic level, I think it's kind of silly to think that I'd be alive forever. You know, like uh, so for 52, um, what is that? I know i only have 30 seconds, I think I can do a that 52 to buy a Would million. 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 be 20 years. And not that I'm gonna die in the next 20 years, but like, how ridiculous for me to be like, of course I would be living. <laughs> I, I will make it. So somebody else can use that money right away. Thanks,
1: I agree. All right. Question number four, if you can go back and change anything about your journey, what would it be?
2: I don't wanna have to be broke. I know, but I know being broke was a part of the story, right? Tyler Perry just became a billionaire, and they were like, he sleeps in cars. But I was like, I don't wanna sleep in cars. <laughs> I just, love you, I just want like
1: the this? money. I wouldn't have to have to go through all the heartache to get
2: there. This cat is the across. Steve Harvey didn't have no house. Like, can't we just be middle class and then wealthy? Why do we <laughs> <want you? laughs> I'm so welcome more? Okay. So I would, if I could still have all the lessons learned, I would like to have nothing more right out of college. That would have been my ideal situation.
0: Yeah, thanks, thanks. <laughs> uh, <that's> good. <laughs> okay, last question then. Where can people find out more about you?
2: Yes, you can um, follow me on all things social at Deontay McDonald's. You can also go to DeontayMcDonald.com and learn more about classes and ebooks and me. Um, there's free trainings and free worksheets. So like go and do all your stuff. But mostly, uh, probably the most active on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. And with maybe a YouTube to follow. Who knows? Right. Who, who knows?
0: <laughs> no people y'all gotta go follow her she's uh her content is a one like i i know you you spend you i i can definitely tell you put effort and you know time and thought into everything that you put out and anything you attach to your brand um because it's definitely you know you're doing it the right way so i know you're gonna blow up <laughs> get huge soon so hopefully we could send some of our listeners over to you oh, no, no. this was um amazing i really enjoyed this conversation this was probably just i do the funnest conversation we've had just in terms of like you know just getting into everything but still you know making it uh you know fun you know finance and money ain't gotta be boring. and i think you're the epitome of that so it uh we definitely enjoy your story and we look forward to seeing you know what you do next and hopefully we can have you back on the show
2: sometimes love to. Sure. And I'm glad
0: we're finally using Zoom now. No Skype. I <laughs> that. <laughs> 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 for real. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. Well, that's it for this episode of the Money bloggers podcast. New episodes will be released every Thursday and will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Just search "Money Monopolizers" wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you learned something of value today, and if you did, we'd appreciate it us if you rated. Blah, blah, blah. We'd appreciate it if you rated us five stars and left us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find out more info about us on Twitter at the Monopolizers or on Instagram at Money Monopolizers. We post informative content on there that'll keep you engaged, so be sure to check that out and share those posts. But until then, we out.
1: You've been listening to the Money Monopolizers podcast,
0: helping you take control of your financial destiny. To learn more about how you can be in control of your money, visit MoneyMonopolizers.com. We'll catch you next time when Alex and Marlon share more personal finance and wealth creation tips
1: with you. Now it's time to take action.